Cindy Williams here and welcome to season three, episode 43 of the PPC podcast. Lately, I've been struggling with my faith. I'm just being honest. In so many ways, my life has been bettered by the struggles of the world in many, many ways. But in others, it's been the hardest year of my life. I guess that's just being human. And on that note, let's get on with it. I can be really hard on myself. For most of my life, I've spent my time trying to be perfect. My brother, she used to call me Miss Perfect and Miss Goody Two-Shoes for good reason. I was all about doing God's will and doing the right thing by my parents, by my friends, by my family. I wanted to be the one that People looked at and said, oh my gosh, this is a good girl. Ego personified. I was to the point that I stopped having fun because I wanted it to be right. Well, as reality tends to go, I made my share of mistakes and that picture perfect self went out the window. And I finally got to the point that I had to accept the fact that yes, I am human and forgive myself and be all right with that. Well, my guest today, a pastor, family man, factory worker, and Dapper Dan has learned all about his humanity in the most inspiring of ways. I'll let him tell you all about it, everybody. Introducing Pastor Andre Mitchell. Pastor Andre Mitchell, welcome to the PPC podcast. Hello, how are you, Miss Cinda? I am so well. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Good. You know, um, for those of you that have been with me for a while, you may uh, remember Pastor Andre. He actually came onto the radio show early in our the beginning. Uh, when we were first doing the PPC radio show as a special therapeutic guest coming from a, a scriptural point of view. And you were so wonderful, but we were right in the middle of COVID yes. and all the things that were happening so much at that time. But I, I want to come back to that. I want to start like I always start. Tell me about you, where you're from, your family life as a young man, all the things that you feel like brought you to where you are now. Wow, that, that's a lot. And I can try to convince and give you the what the cliff. Yeah, notes give, give us the, the, the summer recursion. Yeah, so I uh, grew up in a small town called Muncie, Indiana, which I think you're quite familiar with. Mm-hmm. And that's where my, my roots are. Just about 45 minutes north of Indianapolis small town and uh, grew up in a Christian household with a uh, father who's a pastor. 
and he sent me to Christian school, which I hated at the time, but it molded and shaped me. I was in 1994, I became the first black male to graduate that school. Mm. So uh, it put me, uh, it trained me to be unique. So all the settings, being a pastor's kid and being from a small town and being the only black boy in a uh, mainly white space, it set me up to be a little bit unique and different. And once I bought into that, it kind of shaped who I became. And in 2011, my father turned the church that he was pastoring over to me and I took over, took the reins and I've been pastoring ever since 11 years now and a total of 25 years in ministry total. Uh, also worked for General Motors and, and the same time I started preaching, I started working for General Motors. So I've got 25 years in there. So I got a conglomerate of things that makes me who I am. But if I condense it real quick, it's faith, family and uh, fun. So um, having come from a, a background with, with people in the church in leadership, like my grandfather, my uncles and all of that, and growing up in the church the way I did, um, I witnessed a lot of um, interesting behavior from preacher's kids. Um, sometimes they really uh, bought into the lifestyle and it became their life. And then sometimes they went the complete and opposite direction. So obviously, you know, you, you followed, followed in your father's footsteps, but did you ever have any time in your young life where you were like, uh, I like, you said you hated the school at the time. Did you ever have a time where you were like, you know what, this might not be for me? Well, yeah, my, my goal was not to become a pastor or even a preacher. So when I graduated uh, high school, I went directly to college. And my goal was to keep getting further and further away from Muncie. But I had a series of an unfortunate events that happened to me and um, uh, lost some loved ones. Some people were getting sick and I was away. I was at school. My faith was being challenged. I wasn't sure I believed in God anymore. And then I had like a epiphany, a real experience that was outside of just what I was taught when I was young. It was something that was real and personal to me. And I felt like I just needed to come back home and connect with my parents, kind of let them know I've been a little bit wandering i've been out there a little bit uh, i didn't want to tell them everything you don't you know you don't want to tell your parents everything but the one thing led to another and i just began to be entrenched in helping my father i wasn't trying to preach or anything i just was like well what, what does he need and it went from what does he need to uh hey uh, can you take over this bible study for me and can you so i felt like god and my father tricked me into this this is not what i wanted <laughs> but now that i'm in it i'm i'm grateful for it but if it had to be a personal thing. I'm, I'm not one of those nepotism guys where like, oh, just because my dad was in, I got to do it. No, I, I was really trying to run away from it. Uh -huh. So you um, you have uh, several siblings and um, I know a little bit, not much about your family, but I know a little bit just from, from observation. Um, you guys all seem like such a wonderful unit. Uh, and you, you work together quite well, but in different ways of service. Um, so was either one of your brothers or your sister ever considered for this position, you think? Or was it always assumed that you were gonna be the one that took the mantle? It was, uh, it was not assumed. Uh, the only thing we knew is that none of us wanted it. But when I wanted had a ship, had that epiphany, I was drawn back to Muncie. 
my other siblings were drawn away. They were uh, gone away. My sister uh, went to uh, Indianapolis. My other brother ended up in Charlotte, had one brother that ended up in prison. So for a spot, I was the only one that was there that was close. And so it almost became me by default. And when it happened when my father turned it over to me. It's like all my siblings were in a place where they could support me. And they were like, we're not going to let you fail. So we're going to rally around you. So some of us had had strained relationship in the past, but a lot of that shifted and changed. And we came together as a unit, kind of like Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. We all came together. And that has been a beautiful thing for us to see. Actually, just over the weekend, we celebrated my youngest brother. He got married. So we were all, Congratulations. Yeah, we were all in Charlotte, North Carolina, celebrating the wedding and just you know, no issues, no animosity amongst any of us. All that stuff is buried and gone. And that's just, it's beautiful for us to see, especially because we lost my dad last year. Yeah. So uh, sometimes that tears families apart, but that has actually made us want to press even further. And we really believe my father's goal was not just to give me the church. I think he saw that if, if he did that, it would bring us all together to rally around each other. That was really what he wanted. He always just wanted us to be like one team and he's got that now. You know, um, our dads, your dad, my dad, my father consider, considered your dad one of his best friends. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'd heard his name for many years, many years before I ever met you guys. And so when I met you, it was like, I felt like, Okay, I know these people, you know what I'm saying? And then my yeah. sister was at your church and I was spending some time in Muncie and decided to come. And, and I have to tell you, I've been to many churches, but it's been difficult for me to find churches that I that resonated with me considering my experience within Muncie with my grandfather. I, I have very high standards and expectations uh, for, for what a church should do in a community. Um, but I recognized in you a master teacher. So I, you call yourself a preacher and you are a pastor, but you deliver uh, your messages in such a way that I feel teach people. That's just my own personal experience. What is your your perception of your style when it comes to helping people from the pulpit? You you pretty much captured it, hit the nail on the head. I so for in Christian terms, it would be like I rededicated my life in college. So that sounds great. So that means that around 18, 19, I had rededicated my life to God. And that sounds amazing, but also what that means is the majority of my mistakes happened while I was a Christian. Mm -hmm. So it shed the idea of me standing on a high horse and talking down to people because most of my blunders happened while I was a Christian. And then some of them happened while I was a preacher and some have happened while I was a pastor. So I decided I just need to shed all that, you know, <laughs> googly goop where, where like, we're all in the clouds and just come all the way down to human beings. We are human beings trying to figure out this universe. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. And the last thing you need is when you come into a church is to have someone beat you up when you walk in the doors. Like life probably has beat you up when you before you even chose to come through the doors. It's not my job to beat you up anymore. It's my job to try to meet you where you are and see, can we all learn together? Now, we all learn on different levels. We're in different uh, 
spaces. Some of us are closer to God than others. At least we feel that way. And I think it's my job to break it down. And someone said it uh, this way of me. It's I, I want a scholar, a Bible scholar to be satisfied, but I also want the baby in the congregation to know, oh, I got something from him. So from the cradle all the way to that really deep thinker, I want to have something for everyone. And if I'm only talking to the deep thinkers, I'm missing my demographic because my church is in the hood, so to speak. So I just try to break it down to where we all can understand. And I use a, throw a lot of life experiences in there because we're just all human. That's the end of the day. We're all human, just trying to figure this thing out. So, okay, man, I have so many directions I want to go. You are, um, also a family man you have your wife you have your children and one of the things i noticed because i do follow you as you know i i love the, the stuff that you post you're, you've really taken a hold of social media and used it to your ad advantage and to the advantage of the people that support you um but i love how you include your wife and your love of your wife and what that looks what a, a, a healthy couple family should look like so is that a conscious effort or is that just something you just did naturally it's it's actually a conscious effort my uh my social media is run by uh four hidden principles and it's faith family fashion funny so they're all going to fall into that realm somewhat somewhere some way so that's a lot i post a lot of funny stuff not serious all the time then I'll, I'll post a lot of selfies in, in suits just because I like fashion. But then I want my family to be included in there because I believe out of the funny and the fashion, the family represents my faith the most. Uh, we, me and my wife, we had three miscarriages uh, before we had the three kids that we have now. So my family and celebrating that is a part of my faith. So I want to put that on Front Street. And also it, it protects me because if you are out there you're on social media a lot then there's a lot of temptation so it needs to be known up front that i'm a family man this is my focus i do have a wife you know not trying to play the little church game where i'm trying to run game on women and and pimp women so i try to do some things on purpose and it it, it protects my brand it protects me it protects my family I think all those things are part of the uh, the goal. So the, the fact that you pick up on it, I'm glad because it, it is intentional, even though it's not spelled out, it is very intentional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and you're funny. I also am a huge fan of your way of having fun with the church, showing sides that are are real i mean the things that you you talk about or you laugh about are very real but but yet you still revere the god you still revere your your faith jesus you, you revere it but you make fun of the the human side of it which i find um refreshing and because part of my issue with but church also has been the fact that people take themselves so seriously that they forget yeah. they are human and you show the human side of people of christianity um and what gave you the incentive to do that so since i've been in and around it so long i have seen the good the bad and the ugly 
and and like my personal mission statement starts with authenticity and i can't be authentic if i can't laugh at the church the ignorance that goes on in the church some of the things that people do some of the things that we previously thought some of the things that i was taught as a kid that i no longer see as being scriptural and so my way is to kind of laugh at it and and people some people see it they see some inconsistencies in scripture they see inconsistencies with people and then you have these folk who just be like well the bible's right and there's there's no black or uh, it's only black and white there's no gray and i think it's just good to pull the covers back and say you know yeah there are some gray there are some issues there are funny things that happen to all of us and so as i talk about those things it just makes it more real because it's my truth my truth is i've been in the church most of my life and I've seen a little bit of everything. All of it wasn't good. All of it wasn't bad. But uh, and I, I think now they, they call it deconstructionism where people they deconstruct their faith. And I do that the same thing, but I deconstruct it to reconstruct it. And humor is one of the ways that I'm able to deconstruct is like, oh, OK, yeah, that was way out there. We were kind of crazy in some of the things that we did. It worked for that time, but it would not work for this time. So let's let's laugh about it, let's joke about it, and then, then let's move forward. But when it's time to be serious, I know how to be serious. Mm, yeah, I, I, I like that, um, that you also share some of your your word, you know, the, the word that's given to you, you share that also, um, and, and it's been very, very helpful and a part you're one of my people that I watch because I haven't found a church yet I moved too much but um uh the last question has to do with your fashion you are I know you know what I take that back I want to get into for a second this is going to be longer than normal i want to get into what you went through during COVID, being a pastor of a church and a leader of a community and um how you maintain your faith when you had to deal with such suffering that was that was very uh very challenging uh one of the things that i think the church has done bad job with is recommending outside therapy i sought an outside therapist and i wasn't necessarily looking for a christian one i just needed someone to talk to because there was a lot of things going on now it started off pretty good for us we didn't have any cases i think at the beginning we only had two three minor cases and then you know we shut the church down but that, but i didn't shut down i came into the church every sunday every wednesday and i taped things so i was still working uh very hard it was weird preaching to empty pews but i did a lot of that i learned a lot about editing videos and things i didn't know learned more about streaming all those things and so i thought that was kind of fun because i was off from my job i was able to really sink into ministry but then it shifted when people started dying uh lost my grandmother first and hers wasn't necessarily connected to COVID but it was other complications but then we couldn't celebrate our life like we normally would we're in there with masks and very few people and then we have to figure out how do we live stream it all of those things and then when the omicron virus came out it ravaged my church and we had several cases and then my father ended up getting COVID, and that's how he ended up dying and he actually uh was on vacation uh, when he found out he had it, he was on vacation in Arizona and died in Arizona. So I was going back and forth from Indiana 
to Arizona trying to figure out what's going on. Couldn't see him, uh, could only be on the hospital premises, couldn't get into his room until the very, very end. And then still trying to pastor a church, still trying to send videos out and all that. It was just very, very stressful. And, uh, but it helped me in the sense that I found out my faith is real. It's not for show. If you take away the pastoring and there's no place for me to preach, speak, I realize I have a faith that is rock solid because we actually went through a lot of hell and I was burying people left or right. I remember one, one particular time, and I believe this was December 2020, where uh, I was doing one funeral. I got called while I was in my office getting ready to do that funeral. I got called about someone on my job uh, dying from a fatality. And then at the end of the funeral, I got a call that my uncle passed away. And all, so it's like three deaths all in one day. And I'm just trying to figure out what does all this mean? So that was just, it was just challenging, but you really look to something higher than you. You look to something that can sustain you. And I found out the things that I preach actually were able to sustain me. And so I'm grateful. I'm still going through the process you know, still have uh, challenges. Just last week, I had to bury another member and we're getting to the place where a lot of our older members are passing. And my older members are my best members because they don't fuss, they don't complain. They're just happy to be at church. And now I'm losing them and burying them uh, every other month. And it, it takes its toll and uh, you just kind of have to. Uh, and that's part of what the funny for me is. That's part of my therapy is if I don't laugh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to crack on the inside. So I try to relieve some stress, laugh, not take myself too serious. And COVID taught me that for sure. And I don't know what the future holds for the rest of this decade. It's been a decade of hell so far. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it'll turn. But I'm uh, I'm committed to helping people to get through it. And I learned if you get through things together, it makes it much better. If you do it all by yourself and you're like the Lone Ranger, you'll probably break down. But if you got some some people to do life with, it can make it a little bit better. And. I agree. I think I, I learned the same thing. Um, finally, your fashion. I The question's going to come a little out of left field because it's a little different than someone might ask. I know that pastors have a lot of pressure when it comes to how they appear to people being quote unquote humble or versus flashy versus whatever instead yeah. of looking at them as human beings that have different tastes that have different you know desires and and in ways to want to be themselves so how have you managed because i i mean you can tell me if i'm right right or wrong but i have a feeling that you might deal with some folks that are tripping on some of them awesome suits that you wear how do you deal with that yeah so uh i'll, I'll start back to see how I, I got to that place so when i first was a youth pastor uh it was the area where the thug was really really big and in and a lot of the young people young men they always had their pants sagging and they they would, you know, have certain looks and they would have trouble finding a job. And I would tell them that, look, get the job first and then dress how you want to dress, do what you want to do. But there's another way. So I, I started dressing up because our churches are very come as you are church and people don't all dress up. People will be in jeans and T-shirts, Tim, Tim's and a hoodie. And 
Sunday, but I started dressing up just for these young men. And then I realized that I kind of liked it. It actually gave me a boost of confidence because I work in a factory all week long and I'm always bummy, dirty looking uh, in my in my opinion. So this was just a change of pace. So that's the only reason why I started doing it. And then uh, it just happened at the same time social media was coming out and I started taking pictures and I was like, I actually kind of like this. It kind of makes me feel good. And so I, I realized that I was dressing on the outside how I felt on the inside. So I don't, I'm trying, you know, I'm not really, really trying to impress anybody else. I'm trying to, the colors, the flash is trying to say, this is how I feel on the inside. Yeah, I got a bunch of challenges going on, but on the inside, I feel stately and I feel classy. So I'm gonna start dressing that way. But on the flip side, of course, there are the detractors. It's like, you're just another one of those pastors. But I have the benefit of that. Most everybody knows that I work. Not all people know in the city, but a lot of people know I don't take a salary from my church. I only take a salary from General Motors. And the major goal for that is so that we can pour back into the church. We have a goal to build a state-of-the-art ministry in the hood. That's our secret goal amongst each other. In order to do that, a lot needs to be invested back into the building to make it uh, to where it's uh, viable. When people step into the building, I want them to feel like, oh, wow, this is this is nice. And the goal of that is not just for the building, is we want the same thing to happen to people, their temple themselves, that they begin to be state-of-the-art people. So when people are like, well, you're just flashy, you're just posting pictures of your, your Cadillac. I know all of that came from stuff that I bought and paid for, didn't take anything from the church, didn't take anything from anyone's ties now people do bless and give me things but i support myself without that so that gives me the freedom to say i don't care what you think i'm gonna post what i post wear what i wear because i know and the people that i pastor know that they are not sacrificing their life so that my life can be better it's actually the other way around i'm doing so many things so that they can be blessed and benefited and I don't really have to uh, defend myself. My people will jump up and defend me. They get upset. I'm like, y'all can calm down. It's okay. And they're like, well, no, my pastor, he, don't, he work every day. He can drive what he want. He can wear what he want. I'm like, chill out. It's okay. You don't have to fuss and fight about it. But on the flip side, there's been so many people who've done it wrong that it, it does make people a little leery when you see someone showing things and it, it could have the wrong connotation. But I've learned not to let what someone else does inform my decisions. And on that note, ah, I'm excited to have you on the radio show on November 9th with Shelly Shell Williams and DJ Kid Disco. We all come together from 2 to 3 Eastern on www.thegrownfolksradio.com. And uh, I want to hear more from you. We, we have no idea what where things go that day. It's kind of... Um, it's kind of fun uh, because we don't know where the conversation is going to go. But I, I think that you will definitely inspire as you always do. Thank you so much, Pastor Andre, for coming on. Thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a while, but I always feel at home when I'm talking to you. So I appreciate it. And, and you, you've always made Muncie proud. So, hey, I appreciate that, too. Thank you. You know what? I think people who recognize their weaknesses and their flaws are the best teachers there are. Who wants to listen to someone who's done everything right? 
Is there such a thing? Who can learn from that? Oh no, I can't. I've read so many autobiographies and, and watched documentaries about great people who have done great things and have made great big mistakes. I've come to learn that those mistakes and those flaws thrust us into growth, into evolution. So maybe that's what being a human is all about. Making mistakes and difficult choices in order to become the best version of ourselves. Well, that's it for another PPC podcast. I want to say thank you again to Pastor Andre Mitchell for coming on and inspiring me like he always does. To hear more from him, tune in on November 9th, Wednesday from 2 to 3 Eastern on the PPC radio show. That's on www.thegrownfolksradio.com, Facebook, and YouTube Live. Thank you again to DJ Kid Disco for always providing wonderful beats and production. God bless you all. Until next time, that's a wrap. 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 Hi, this is Cinda, and I want to tell you about the PPC radio show. Every Wednesday from 2 to 3 Eastern, DJ Kid Disco, Shelly Shell Williams, and I sit down and talk with wonderful guests from all over the world. We talk about how to survive healing your heart and everything in between. So go to www.thegrownfolksradio.com to listen in, or you can watch us live on Facebook or YouTube. That's the PPC radio show from 2 to 3 Eastern. See you there.